Welcome back to the bonus Geared for Growth Property Investing podcast series on the property investing journey from start to finish. A really important episode today, we're going to be talking about how to spot a property spruker. They're out and about looking to take your money to put you into properties that aren't going to grow, that are going to cost you a fortune or sign you up to expensive courses and run to the back of the room one time only 50% off shash. Now, some of the more tricky conniving ones are harder to spot. So we've got industry guru Lisa Parker on the show today to run us through her top tips in how to spot a property spruker so you can avoid them and achieve your property investing goals. Here's Lisa. Lisa Parker, thank you for joining me. Mike. Good to be here. Uh, It's nice to have you back on the show and of course with this new format as well where we're looking at property investing sort of from start to finish and we've heard from people about, you know, how to start financially in terms of uh, getting a deposit or or buying with with equity but a lot of people before they get into the planning or the research or looking at demographics actually get sucked into the vortex of a spruker and being an industry expert, I want you to help us uh, avoid getting sucked in by a, a, a spruker. So, you know, this is this is pretty important stuff because investing in properties really potentially the most the biggest financial decision you'll ever make and getting it wrong can can stop you growing your portfolio or potentially financially ruin you. So, I'm guessing you see a lot of people um falling foul yeah, of this. Yeah, I do actually. Um being fairly active on social media I actually receive um, multiple messages um, on an annual basis from friends and contacts of mine on Facebook, knowing that I am in the industry, checking in with me before going ahead with an investment or with a company that they've encountered. And um, it's really interesting that there that intuition plays such a big role because something na- is nagging at them thinking, you know, is this legitimate? Is this a good company for me to be dealing with? I might just check in with somebody I know and trust. And um, it's it's really great because I have been able to intervene with quite a few people um, every year that have been on a track to be purchasing something that would probably financially cripple them for a really long time and do the opposite than what they're trying to actually achieve, which is usually grow a portfolio of property. Mm. And the consequences, as you say, can be massive. Are there any sort of stories where you haven't been able to to save somebody that you've you've found out about that that someone has sort of fallen victim to a spruce? Um, yeah, look, I think in the course of um, purchasing property for people, I see it um, secondhand all the time. So, so with people who have purchased, say, an off the plan apartment from a developer and they've overpaid for the property and then my client comes along and has interest in buying the property, usually homeowners. We don't really buy apartments for investor clients in most instances, so they're usually first home buyers and first home buyers do tend to be attracted to newer, um, shiny, nice, lovely, modern apartments. And when we go back through and look at the sales results for the building, we can see how much the owner had paid for the property off the plan and subsequently what the property is worth today. And sometimes they're just breaking even, but a lot of the time they're significantly uh, at a a financial loss. And I'm talking about $80,000 to $200,000 below what the property is worth at the time that we're looking at purchasing it for a client. Ouch. 
I mean, that that's really significant, right? Because, uh, I mean, what are they going to do? You've only got so much borrowing capacity, so that property may really block you from, from growing your portfolio if you had the cash flow to purchase something else. And the cost of getting in and out of a property is extreme as well. So I guess that's got to be priced into the, the loss, the stamp duty. Mm, and that and also the loss of opportunity. So those people now need to pay back that loss that they've encountered and that would usually be via equity in their own home and they need to pay that mortgage back down just to get back to even before they can start again and sometimes that can take three to five years. So it is a considerable loss. It's not just the monetary loss that they see at the surface. It is the opportunity loss of not being able to move on to purchase uh, property number two and three and have it grow in value for those three to five years. Mm, yeah, and just you know, you think about what people are setting out to achieve when they invest in in property. You know, a lot of people have lofty goals, um, and I'm sure that they're thinking, well, we want to invest to really set ourselves up for the future. And getting the wrong property first can really put a halt to that. And the stats are showing that 72% of people only buy one property, and I think that's because they're they're getting the wrong one. Um, I tried to come up with a little bit of a, a, a simile for this one, um, see, see, see if this lands for you. Uh, purchasing a property is a little bit like putting it all on black at the casino and the spruikers can make you colourblind. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> You're too polite. It's, it's ordinary. Uh, I should have done better. But, like, get... <laughs> <laughs> that was so, such a such a fake <laughs> approval. <laughs> yeah, that's really good, Mike. Like sh- that's that's a really pretty finger painting you did. Anyway, um, we're going to stick with it to the death. Anyway, help us to uh, to to make to to put color in our eyes and give us some tips on how to spot spruker activity. So what are what are the things that you hear and you, it puts the hairs on your neck? Mm. Uh, well, on I've end. got five tips to spotting a property spruker, and um, I I'm not sure if you would remember this, Mike, but um, I am coming at this from a place of experience because when I first started my career 17 years ago, I worked within a property division of a financial planning company and essentially they were property spruikers. I stayed in that role for 18 months before I, uh, you know, saw all of the pieces of the puzzle and, and came to realise that I actually wasn't serving my clients in the best possible way and that's when I left that industry and started as a buyer's advocate. Um, so here are the things that I know happen in the industry yep. because I worked in the industry. Um, so the first thing that I would be looking for is how you came about um, learning about the company that you're either going to work with um, or the property that you're looking to purchase. Now, I've heard crazy scenarios from friends of mine who were at Dreamworld and in Queensland and were approached by um, some kind of lucky draw or some kind of scratchy type situation Um, and actually what they were were property spruikers and what a unique way to to capture their interest. And, you know, these people were away on a family holiday and they've come back with a signed contract for a townhouse in Queensland. And so that was quite a unique unique story. Um, The other ways that it comes about is often through a referral from a mortgage broker, financial planner or an an accountant. 
And a referral in and of itself is not an indication that you're being referred to a property spruker. There's a number of other things that you would need to um, consider alongside that referral to determine if you're being referred to a property spruker, but it is one of the ways. The other way is through telemarketing. And the last way is through seminars. So if you've been to a property investment expo or you've been looking at property on the internet and there's an invitation to attend a webinar or an ex or a, um, a presentation, then often that is going to lead you to be in a situation where you're going to be offered properties through property spruikers. Yep. And I think um, one thing that stands out to me as well. I was chatting to a buyer's agent um, in Brisbane actually yesterday and they said um, at the end of their sort of proposal, they say, look, if that sounds of interest to you, great. If not, like, you know, we'll leave it with you because the good operators actually want to work with people that they can, you know, do something good for and if people don't see the value, there's normally a lot of other people that are, that want to join that list, right? Because you can only take on so many clients. So I'm wondering if like if uh, urgency is a bit of a trigger as well, like, you know, there's only X amount of properties left or run to the back of the room and give us your $5,000 de- deposit. Do you think urgency plays into it as yeah, well? Yeah, I have heard from a number of people that they felt that they were being pressured. And when they'd asked for space to consider the opportunity, um, they felt that they were met with a lot of um, sales tactics and lines that were, were, you know, essentially placing pressure on them to make a decision on the spot. Um, so I think you're quite right that that can definitely happen. So if we can circle back to some of these points, I mean, um, the first one is like, where, where did you come across the the company i mean that that's very clever because the first one when you know they're at dreamworld when you're on, when you're on holidays you you're sort of you're proving to the potential spruker or the person that's that's trying to get you to sign up that you've got some amount of disposable income right because you're on holidays and you're also maybe at your happiest you often holiday in a destination which is quite sort of aspirational or at least warm <laughs> right if you're from melbourne and you're at dreamworld you're like gosh you know like this is this is this is comfy, you know. Like I want to I want a slice of this. So that's that's an emotional manipulation, right? Like there's no accident that that that's where they are and that's how they've yeah, targeted. Yeah, I you. think it's important that people seek out if they if they if a seed is planted by a company that has approached them. A good next step would be for them to actually, con- for the person to consider whether or not property investment is something they'd like to consider. And if it is, then they start their process by approaching people that they think are right for them to speak to, such as their accountant or a buyer's advocate or a property planner. I think that's probably a better way for them to go because they're hand selecting the professionals they're engaging in rather than them being courted by a professional that has come to them. That's a really good point because in in your story they weren't they weren't actively looking for an investment property but they came home and they mm. had one right or at least a, a contract for one. So um if you <laughs> if you if if you're bewitched by someone and you, this is a new idea for you then all the more reason to go all right well I've only ever spoken to one person and and you know yesterday or last month I wasn't even thinking about it. So I really like that one. Um with the referrals you sort of put a, a I guess a maybe like a caveat on that as 
to say that not all referrals are bad, right? Because we're all um, we're both business people, and our businesses do work with referrals. But not all referrals are created equal, and often there's a there's a financial incentive to use a certain company, either disclosed or or otherwise. H- how would you help us sort of tease out where a, a, a referral might be mm. sort of nefarious? Well, I think for for people who feel comfortable enough, they should just ask the question outright. What is your relationship with this company? Do you receive any rec- any referral fees or commissions from your recommendation? And ask them to disclose the amount and what the fee is for. I think if there's a fee involved, then in most cases, it's not a good indication that the company has selected the person they're referring them to because they value their work and think they do a good job. It's because they earn a financial commission there. Um, But I think Mm. for those who aren't comfortable in asking that direct question, I think the next couple of points that I'm going to share with you will really help a person to determine themselves without having to ask a question they might find uncomfortable, whether or not the company they're being referred to is in fact a property spruker. Mm. And one of the ways they can do that is to have a look at the sales spiel that is being given to them by the property company. A few of the things that um, property spruikers are known for is to sell brand new property and their uh, property investment spiel, which they call education uh, to the client, is usually focused on explaining how you and your family can save all of this tax money and pay off your home sooner by redirecting your savings into your home mortgage. And that's the very consistent messaging that you'll receive along with new is better because you have your builder's warranty, um, things don't break, renters want new newer places, you'll get more, uh, more rent for a new place than you will an old place and you get depreciation. And most of those things are actually true. However, um, a property spruker mm-hmm. are using those points to direct you to purchase an asset that may actually not grow in value for a very, very long time. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic advice because when you sort of said that, I said I was sort of thinking like, yeah, well, a lot of those things are are true, but they're not best reasons to invest. Um, obviously, with my pet subject being the depreciation side of things, often the properties that have the best depreciation are, are quite terrible investments. So that that's what you need to really focus on is like, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of bonuses with buying new, right? You get that new house smell. But the, the, the way that people really succeed in investing in property is for that property to go up in value. And all of those things being true aren't necessarily mm. the drivers of that. Um, I want to ask you about the telemarketing stuff. I, I didn't realise that that sort of still happened, but that's alive and well in the property spooking game? I believe game. so. Um, usually it starts with somebody, I mean, actually I get phone calls um, from a semi-regular basis offering um, to have a look at my mortgages and, you know, they want to ask questions about my income and ask me if tax savings, you know, would I be interested in learning a legal way on how to save tax and how I could redirect those tax savings into my 
a home mortgage and pay off my mortgage in a fraction of the time. So, yeah, I still get those phone Mm. calls. So, I assume that industry is still alive and well. That's really interesting too because, I mean, I've I've never done any of that high-level sales training, but they've asked you a question that the answer can only be yes, right? It's kind of like, do you want free things or uh, or are you a little bit simple, right? So, of course, they're, they're spruiking really positive things and they're not really giving you a, a way to say no. You know, there's all this training about open and closed questions um, and you want to lead with something that sounds really attractive and then that's kind of like like permission for them to continue on. Um, that's excellent so advice as well. It's so influential, what Mike, that um, I'll share a funny story yeah. with you. My husband is very well aware of, you know, my my background in property and, you know, the industry. And um, he was on the phone one day uh, to one of those companies asking him all of those questions and he was answering it. And I'm in the background, you know, doing those signals where you're saying, cut it, you know, cut it off, hang off, hang up the phone, hang up the phone, get off the phone. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And um, I was really angry with him because he was giving my personal details to this person over the phone about how much we owed on our property, what our incomes were. And um, I was quite furious because I could hear from the secondhand conversation, I knew exactly what that conversation was. And he even has visibility Mm. of the industry and has a reasonable understanding of what these spruikers do, but he still thought it was a legitimate phone call. Mm, yeah, and I guess they are very engaging, right? The people that do well in that role, they disarm you. They, they, mm. They're charming, you know, like it's probably why I could never get a job doing it but wouldn't want it anyway. Um, seminars. Now, that's something that I've seen advertised quite a lot on, on say, Facebook ads um, and I guess a bit like referrals. They're not all necessarily bad and maybe even some of the ones that cost money aren't bad but... Um, what, what's your best advice for, for spotting a difference between a, an educational one and then a real sales pitch one where they, their goal is for you to sign a contract mm. on something? Look, I think that's really tough for, for consumers to work out who's legitimate in the industry and who isn't. Um, so I, I, I don't know that there's necessarily any tips um, that I could give to help them know on the spot, but what I would say is that after they leave the seminar, well, firstly, don't run up to the back of the room to be the first 10 people to get access to the, you know, X, Y, and Z special that's only available if you sign up today. The reality is if it's a good product, the people should be willing to sell that same product to you the next day or the day after for that same price. Um, Or if you need to pay $500 for it, for the sake of you being able to do due diligence and saving yourself potential hundreds of thousands of dollars loss, I'd pay the extra $500 rather than be pressured to buy so quickly. Um, but what I would do is go away um, from that seminar and think on it overnight, see if it sits right with you. People are very intuitive and um, I think that intuition can be trusted. And then the other thing they can do is verify it by going onto the forums and asking people for feedback and looking for reviews of the information and, you know, just asking really pointed questions like precisely what is the outcome I should achieve from doing this course and precisely what is it that, what's the curriculum, what am I going to learn? And then I think the person has to wonder, uh, ask themselves, is this what I need to learn? Because sometimes things are very enticing and exciting, but then you actually don't need it. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that's really, really solid advice. Um, and you know, given the the background and of course the experience that you've had in the in the industry as a gun um, BA, I couldn't think of anyone better qualified um for for this particular episode. So, in in sort of wrapping us up, um, just give us those five highlights again, um, just so that we can cement this in people's yeah. brains. So the first one, and this is not to be taken in isolation, this needs to be taken into um, context of the following four points as well. Um, so the first one is how the person or company or property was referred to you, if it was through a seminar, telemarketing, accountant, financial planner or mortgage broker. Um that is a sign just to look out for these next four. The second one is to pay attention to the spiel that is being given, the sales spiel. Is it focused on tax minimization and uh, mortgage reduction? The third thing is if is um, if you're only offered brand new property, such as house and land packages, townhouses, or off the plan apartments or newly completed apartments, that is a really, really crucial sign. If you go onto their website and see that they're the only types of properties that that company has purchased or offered to clients, that's a big, big giveaway there. The fourth tip is um, to look out for the sales spill, including conversations like um, our research division focuses on searching out growth corridors. Uh, and when they talk about right. growth corridors, they're actually referring to um, land um, that is opening up yes. in corridors. It doesn't infer that it is, well, it infers or people take from that that it means it's a capital growth corridor. It, they're not they're not saying it's mm. a capital growth corridor. They're saying it's a growth corridor in the sense that houses are going to be built where they once weren't. Um, so watch out for that one. A supply, it's a supply growth. Yeah, corridor, that's right. right. We didn't get time to dig into that, but there's a lot of juicy stuff in there as well um, that people should be aware of mm. in regards to purchasing in those corridors. And the last point is if the fee for advice is free or a low fee, um, then I think that's a really good indication that they're making their money from other sources. And you should definitely be asking uh, whether or not commissions or referral fees are being exchanged as part of the transaction. That's a good point. And people have got to get paid somewhere. And we're used to, say, mortgage brokers being paid by the banks and there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But if they're doing work for you and buying you a property, then somebody's got to be paying the mortgage. So you've got to find out who that is and why. Uh, Lisa, it's been, it's been a real pleasure and it, it's great to really be able to zero in on those things that I think people can take as a little bit of a, a toolkit. Um, and a bit of healthy skepticism is, is, is not only good, but it could really save your financial future. So that's um, awesome advice and thanks very much for coming on.